Hello, and welcome to Cast the Fall to Your Winter. I'm your co-host Dom. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm your co-host Max. And today we're discussing chapter 5 of um, the first Witcher novel, Blood of Elves. It's a, it's basically, it's a chapter that's kind of split in two in terms of its story that it tells. Um, yeah. It could have been two small chapters, basically. Yeah, I was yeah, always yeah. tempted to, to think about doing them separately, just because it is, it's so, they're weirdly mashed together. Like, the first one is kind of a complete story, and then the second half is kind of, like, too short to be a chapter, so it's just kind of there. It's a bit of a weird one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so as, as usual, it, it starts with some sort of, with some, like, um, epigrams, I guess, at the start of the chapter. Um, these... Um, being three different sort of quotations from in-universe sources about the nature of witchers, um, which I quite like. Um, so there's a quotation from the Monstrum, which, as we've sort of talked about before, is um, an in-universe uh, sort of propaganda document that um, preceded the sack of Kaer Morin, um, and then a quote from King Radovid III and some um, graffiti. Um, just offering some conflicting views of witchers um i mean the, the i think the quotation from the monstrum um the the bit of it where it says uh you know about witchers instead of praying to the gods instead of bearing rich offerings to the temple such a simpleton is ready to give his last penny to the base witcher believing the witcher the godless changeling will turn around his fate and save him from his fortune it's like well I mean, one of those things is an actual literal person that is going to deal with their problem but yeah okay <laughs> um the and then and then Radovid the third of course has a very pragmatic view of the matter which is uh, i have nothing against witchers as long as they're paying their taxes <laughs> yes <laughs> uh and then the graffiti from the wall at the faculty of law at the university of oxenfurt if you thirst for justice hire a witcher kind of thing that you'd see in a sort of superhero comic book sort of thing written indeed which is sort of funny given we keep kind of comparing Geralt to batman <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, the continent's greatest detective. <laughs> detective slash mall cop. Private investigator slash mall cop. <laughs> Batman's kind of a mall cop. He does just sort of roam around Gotham, like, dealing with crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a very extrajudicial way. Vigilante is, I think, the technical term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I mean... I mean just, just, to, just to mention as an aside, it's just the fact that they named the city. They named the city Gotham, and then yeah. it's like always painted in like a gothic style and a dark style. It's like, come on, that's <laughs> a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love my Tim Burton Gotham, but yes. Uh, but yeah, so they they just get that little bit of world flavor, and then we just basically Geralt's on a boat. Traveling. Yeah, there there seems to have been a little time skip from where we left off. Yes. Yes. Um, he's on a boat heading to sort of Oxenfurt Way, um, on the border of Temeria and Redania, and yeah, he's just having a sort of yeah, he's he's yeah. peering over the edge of the boat, looking out for monsters, uh, being harassed Meanwhile... by a local kid. And, <laughs> the uh, son of uh, a knight. <laughs> yes. Yes. The son of a knight, um, <laughs> like who who keeps telling him that, like you know, his father's sword is even bigger than his, like, <laughs> um, and and that like, um, and and in general, comparing everything that like people on the boat do to um, his his dad, and going like, yeah, but you know, like my dad swims faster than <laughs> than that fish yeah. over there, <laughs> like. <laughs> But Geralt's just trying to get some peace and quiet so he can read a letter from Siri. So now we know that Geralt and Siri are not together. Um, and this letter is just the this letter is just the cutest shit, honestly. Um, oh yeah, so right, writing from boarding school, basically. Yes, the, I just I love. I don't know how it's rendered in like in Lithuanian or how it's originally rendered in Polish, but the way it's rendered in English with the like random capitalization and like oh yeah, there's random capitalization. Super formal. Yeah. Yeah, the, just the random capitalization and her attempt at writing and like super formal I am in school now language and um, it, it's very cute. The, the random capitalization does perplex me. I'm just like, what, what like, is this, is this um, because in, you know, medieval fucking 
cursive, like it actually was often difficult to distinguish a capital from a from a small letter because yeah, I don't know. And I know in older, like, older, like, writing styles for English, particularly, I don't know about other languages, it used to be much more, there used to be a lot more nouns you were, like, meant to capitalize, I think. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so it is, it is quite, but yes, I just love, like, whereas today I ate broth and I ate broth is all in capitals. It just makes me want to just, like... <laughs> Serious shit posting in her letter. <laughs> That's exactly, I can't. Yeah, I can't not read it as a shit post. <laughs> it's it's literally drill posting. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's irony just... lowercase posting, but um, medieval equivalent. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, the, the capital letters hungry, but soon be dinner. Like, I don't know why that cracks me up every time I see it. But yes. Um, I think, it, yeah, it's a cute way of sort of communicating the childishness of writing. Because, yeah, when, when you don't really understand writing, it's like me when I discovered full stops just covered the entire page in it because I overheard <laughs> the teacher talking about them and thought, this will impress her. So I just did loads of dots <laughs> all over the page. Um <laughs> And I love, like, Nenika is, like, telling her, like, what to say. And then she's, like, talking about what Nenika says. And Nenika says, like, it's like, Nenika says, I have to tell you to be careful. Be careful, Geralt. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and yeah. then we get the change in tone from Siri's letter to um, Jens, which is um, quietly excoriating, where uh, yes. Geralt makes the foolish error of starting it, dear friend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so basically, from 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 series letter, what we've learned is that she's been at the temple school a while, and that she seems to be enjoying it, and she's trying to train still as best she can, but she's not allowed to have her sword. But that Nenika has told her that a uh, 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 anyone can brandish a sword, but a witcher girl must be wise, so she will do her best to learn. Um, yes, and then Geralt, uh, since he's sitting reading his letters, also reads a reply from Yen. Um, oh boy, I I I love this letter. I love it so much. Um, just everything about it is um, just, you can hear her tone. Um, yeah, it's all your friend, dear friend. Friend. Yeah. Um, my yeah. joy is all the greater as various rumors have been circulating about your sudden and violent death. It is a good thing you've decided to disclaim them by writing to me. It is a good thing too. You are doing so, so soon. Just like everything is dripping with like... <laughs> I feel like the yeah. le- we should probably read out the actual whole letter. Like, Yed's letter, we probably should read out in its entirety. Oh, okay. Um, Go on. Shall I do a dramatic reading? Yeah, <laughs> because because it's just... The- everything in it is perfect. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear friend, your unexpected letter, which I received not quite three years after we last saw each other, has given me much joy. My joy is all the greater as various rumors have been circulating about your sudden and violent death. It is a good thing that you have decided to disclaim them by writing to me. It is a good thing, too, that you are doing so, so soon. From your letter, it appears that you have lived a peaceful, wonderfully boring life, devoid of all sensation. These days, such a life is a real privilege, dear friend, and I am happy that you have managed to achieve it. I was touched by the sudden concern which you deigned to show as to my health, dear friend. I hasten with the news that, yes, I now feel well. The period of indisposition is behind me. I have dealt with the difficulties, the description of which I shall not bore you with. It worries and troubles me very much that the unexpected present you received from fate brings you worries. Your supposition that this requires professional help is absolutely correct. Although your description of the difficulty, quite understandably, is enigmatic, I am sure I know the source of the problem. And I agree with your opinion that the help of yet another magician is absolutely necessary. I feel honoured to be the second to whom you turn. What have I done to deserve to be so high on your list? Rest assured, my dear friend. And if you had the intention of supplicating the help of additional magicians, abandon it because there is no need. I leave without delay and go to the place which you indicated in an oblique yet to me understandable way. It goes without saying that I leave in absolute secrecy and with great caution. I will surmise the nature of the trouble on the spot and will do all that is in my power to calm the gushing source. I shall try in doing so not to appear any worse than other ladies to whom you have turned, 
are turning or usually turn with your supplications. I am, after all, your dear friend. Your valuable friendship is too important to me to disappoint you, dear friend. Should you, in the next few years, wish to write to me, do not hesitate for a moment. Your letters invariably give me boundless pleasure. Your friend, Yennefer. My my fav my favorite bit, but I have to say my favorite bit must be the one where she where she twice mentions other sorceresses that he might have <laughs> <Yeah>. turned to. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope I conveyed her 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 dripping poison. <laughs> <laughs> where she's just so visibly like fucking rattled at the fact that like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like 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 oh, Geralt, Geralt turned up. to Triss initially like it's yeah like... <laughs> yeah uh, oh, Geralt fucked up sadly sadly I mean Yen knows Geralt's proclivities with sorceresses um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 and of course, he notes after it's been read. Well, she signs off your friend Yennefer, and Geralt notes that it smelled of lilac and gooseberries, and he swears to himself. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get that. That sort of lines. You, like, the letter smelled of lilac and gooseberries. Geralt cursed. Yeah, I'm such a yeah. Uh, like the the verb used here in the Lafayette translation, I don't know what is what is in the Polish one, obviously, but like uh, the verb used in the Lafayette translation for cursed is like a particularly visceral one it's like one that like communicates like like swearing repeatedly until you f- until you calm down like <laughs> <laughs> oh that's much more expressive <laughs> like 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 um <laughs> and i'm just picturing like Gerald parent pour- like pouring over the edge of the boat like fucking having read the letter just repeatedly <laughs> But um, between these two letters and in the next little bit, we learn that um, Geralt is on this boat because he has been hired by the Melatius and Grok company to protect its um, uh, its its shipments because there is a monster that he calls an Ishna that's been um, eating people off the sides of the boat. There's a rumor of one anyway. Like, like There's a like, rumor like... of one. People well, they have do... disappeared. Yeah, people have disappeared, um, and people claim they have seen a monster pulling them into the water, and also it's been eating like cows and things. Yeah. Um, over which he gets into a debate with a um, with a um, academic from the University of Oxenford who is also on the boat. Academic nerds at it again. I love everything about um, the their Master dialogue Shooter. is fantastic. Like, like their they, dialogue they, is amazing. <laughs> they have they have this they have this wonderful academic debate where like the academic insists that the um, that the animal that Geralt is referencing is extinct for a long time now, um, like or that it Geralt, was maybe even always just a myth and <laughs> uh, like and Geralt yeah. explains that um, what they're dealing with is. Um, a recent mutation of some of the last surviving instances of that animal um, after um, like because although like the initial ecological changes that like humans caused to the delta region um, rendered it very difficult for it to live there but like the later changes such as like filling the water with like fucking noxious waste from um Novigrad and and Oxenfurt and 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 starting to ship um you know like lots of livestock that he that it can just drag off a boat um down the river has basically restored its um like um fucking you know like 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 food chain um, yeah that they've just super mutated them <laughs> Basically. Yeah, it's super <laughs> mutated them because actually now it like it it loves living in like fucking <laughs> heavily climate changed water. Yeah. <laughs> what, okay, so I love about every what I love about this whole dialogue is it does a huge amount of world building and it contributes to like this larger like kind of background noise that goes through the whole series in like a lot of different ways. So it's like this background noise in the whole series of like 
obviously there's no druids here but there's this background noise in the whole series of druids popping up every once in a while to go like like guys there's something wrong with the climate and also we're overfishing all the fish and like we're destroying the environment and you can't cut down these trees so there's like kind of druids sounding all of these alarm bells in the background constantly there's um also this tension between sort of like the non-magical academics who are developing science and medicine and technology and like all of that on sort of their normal human terms and then there's also the people who belong to sort of i don't know what you could call like the sort of post conjunction of the spheres but old order like um like sorcerers and 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 Geralt who have like a, a different way of seeing the world where so Geralt's using older terminology that 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 um the 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 master tutor um you know refers to as just being like myths and legends whereas he's he trying to assign folkloric like language yeah yeah so Geralt's using folkloric language but for something that he knows to be real and to still be persisting whereas the people who are like completely rooted in in this other system like the master tutor like if we haven't observed and categorized it like according to like actual like you know if it isn't in like our actual sort of like taxonomy of like of like you know life that it doesn't exist and it's just a myth um so it's just it's just i think it's really interesting that we're seeing like the conjunction of like these three like kind of background noise things in this one little bit of dialogue like we're we're also we're also once again experiencing um like you know the uh like 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 uh, the occasionally like Geralt like somebody has to come up to Geralt and tell him that like he's uh an eco murderer because he's massacring species after species so like that happens in this dialogue as well oh yes Um, he does say that um he was talking about something called a hephydra and then he says you know, I told you the Hephydra, which you persist in calling in Ishna, does not appear into the waters of the Delta, is wiped out a good half century ago due, incidentally, to the activity of individuals such as yourself who are prepared to kill anything that does not look instantly right. Yeah, and then and, points and Geralt, out that... Geralt, uh... Geralt, Geralt, like, 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 Geralt has a conversation about, like, you know, how, like, um, like, um, um, I, but they're killing humans, mate. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he says he's right, he wants to kill it without forethought, tests, observation, or considering its ecological niche. <laughs> and then Geralt, yeah, explains that, like, the reason he's here is because the Ishna pulled, like, a pregnant girl off of the side of a boat recently. Yeah, did that, um, did that, that, you know, that child could have grown up to be XYZ. Um, what's where's their right to exist? And mm-hmm. yeah, and the, 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 this guy accuses him of having a, very, a decidedly emotional and immense and scientific view of the world. Uh, yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but, but it's really funny because it's also the, the exact same conversation with the, the Geralt has with Deregari and uh, with basically every every druid that he comes across by this mouse sack. Like yeah, I mean yeah. even even the fish extinction comes up here, which I mean I look I'm 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 fam- I'm famously pro druid and famously worried about the fish, but even the fish extinction conversation comes up here. Um, the 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 Oxenfurt guy, the master tutor, I think his name is Linus 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 Pitt. Um, he 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 says you know like. He, when he's trying to one of the reasons he's saying that there can't be like megafauna basically in the in the delta is because there used to be 2000 fe- species of fish that live in this river but now you know no more than 900 ma- remain but yeah he's not taking into account that they've created a whole new ecological niche that like a newly mutated monster could could fill this this has very like 90 like like 90s liberal skepticism of you know the the patronizing ecologist like i'm i'm shocked that at no point um, like this guy or Deregari or like any any one of these characters that Geralt comes across starts ranting at him that he should really stop eating meat because it's very much like the patronizing vegan stereotype, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, much like the patronizing vegans, they're probably right though. <laughs> yeah. Like I I, I I don't know. I think I think like at the point where you where where specifically you say like that like. Um, that 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 dangerous animals, um, sh- like that humans shouldn't be protected from dangerous animals just because they're they're unique and wonderful. Um, you are running the risk of like <laughs> taking a very unempathetic standpoint towards human life. <laughs> This is the same argument we had the other day. Like, like yeah, we like, just had this argument in real life like two days ago. <laughs> 
for context for context like like we we had we had an argument like about about uh, like 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 um, where um, like we discussed how like Eden's like approach to to ecology is like is is very it, it is very generally ecocentric, whereas mine is very anthropocentric. Like, yes. you're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and what's your perspective? I've almost nothing. I just wanted right. to be the centrist. <laughs> <laughs> No, my see, my perspective Angie, is that Angie Sapkowski would almost certainly agree with you on that. So like that's that's thematically correct. But my 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 stance <laughs> has been that humans are an emergent state of nature and are part of nature. So you can't really separate them. <sighs> that's my centrist yeah, that's opinion. Probably closer. That's probably closer to mine. Um. Yes. Yeah. So, no, I mean, well... like 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 I I I I think that's fairly uncontroversial in it in itself. Like. We were more arguing specifically, like in um, in situations where the um, like specifically in situations where the where where the well-being of humanity, including obviously the environment that we that, that we live in, um, like are um, you know considered against the well-being of other species. Um, like I was pretty much arguing that like it's reasonable to defend human interests in that situation <laughs> like basically if there was um like uh, I, I don't know what they call it in the english translation i, I keep not he- not really hearing the word but like if there was a if there was a hyphydra in in the waters of a major river and was living there extremely happy because it because we'd polluted the river and like it's actually doing quite well now. Um, I I would still say it's pretty valid to fucking harpoon it to death if it approaches if it approaches you know a pregnant woman. I'm really having a deep thought about this. <laughs> Are you going to I side mean, with the hyphydra in this story? I'm Aaron? not going to side with the hyphydra. I'm just wondering how, at which point. Yes, obviously, I mean... obviously, it's an interesting interesting specimen. Like carve out a little <laughs> bit of the Ponter Valley Delta, pont of the of the Ponter Delta, like um, to 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 let the hyphydras fucking swim around in and tell boats not to go there. <laughs> like yes, generally... I mean, that is a reasonable compromise. I was just trying to think, like, what do we do about like? But generally so speaking, we... I still think it's valid if you have to do <laughs> shipping to put a witcher on board to make sure that pregnant <laughs> women are not dragged off into the water. <laughs> well, yes. Sorry, I was thinking about, like, if this was truly a unique species of the, with which we have, like, two specimens and we are shipping in its only habitat. But if we're talking about the way we, in real life, deal with, like, I don't Geralt, know... Something Geralt pretty water, seriously like, wounds cares. one of those spe- specimens in this story, doesn't he? Like, like yes. he does technically speaking yes. inflict quite serious ecological harm yes I mean, also at that point, he was really saving was a kid <laughs> he was saving a kid yes <laughs> also possibly all of them so like well the, the, yes yeah something to remember that's discussed by some of the druids is that like a lot of the monsters that came through the conjunctions of the spears weren't you know they weren't part of the world and so they were just well, also well, destroying that, ecological that's, balance that's themselves the that's the witcher's take on things. that's that's, yeah, that's specifically that's specifically what Vesemir tells Siri. Like they're yeah. inv- they're effectively which... invasive species. Um, yeah. In which case, it's kind of yeah, it's debatable as to what scale you sort of, you know, if if not, mm. weed turns up in in the UK. Our buildings aren't decided for it, and it you know it destroys them. Whereas in Japan, obviously, they've kind of they're used to it. Um, yeah. So you kind of destroy it in the place it's not naturally meant to be. So you're, you know, it becomes whether you think the Ashinas deserve to exist in this world or whether they don't, which, well. Well, yes. I mean, it definitely complicates it that it's, yeah, that it is effectively an invasive species. Like, it is it is an invasive species, but, like, you know, you also have to remember that, like, um, there's, so, like, 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 um, that's that's kind of just like the very specific Witcher read on the situation, mm. whereas um, like at least some of those invasive species have adapted to that world quite well and are not like like I mean 
um, higher. There's vampires a difference between also. gray squirrels and between, say, harlequin ladybirds. You know, har- harlequin, um, or going further, there's those little oysters, uh, whatever they are, that turn up in British waterways and clump up things. And mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's all sorts of ways which they can sabotage the world. You know, harlequin. But ladybugs went from like a minority species in the UK, basically outbred and ate loads of other ladybug species, and now we're the most common. Um, and then you've got like murder hornets and you know killer bees and stuff. There's all sorts of arguments you can make about when it benefits biodiversity to eliminate a species or what have you. Um, yeah, yeah. In any case, though, like in this case, we're dealing with like there's only two of them in these waters. Like, so to be fair, yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, like, it's not unfair to say that Geralt is inflicting some serious ass ecological harm. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, in any case, like, I mean, the point stands that there is, there, like, in, this, in these books, there's a very, there's a very kind of almost irritating centrist man writer undertone of, ugh, the preachy ecologists. Like, yes, because of course, because, because the way Sapex's writing it, Geralt is always right. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you just know that Sapex, like, when he initially default, uh, heard Al Gore speak, find him annoying. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that is that is kind of what he's writing is like every time Geralt brings sort of the like um, the folkloric knowledge um, and talks to to either a druid or um, or an academic, he gets told he gets told the oh, northern realms are tired about. of experts. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what happens. <laughs> Don't patronize. The traditional monster hunter classes, okay? Uh, Anyway, so we learned that humans are sincerely fucking up the environment and this has caused um, a mutation of a once thought long dead species to be even more prevalent and deadly. And anyway, that's what Geralt's doing here. He um, He is being paid to guard the barge and fight the thing if it ever turns up. Um, in so the meantime, his... Redanian customs officers turn up. Um, yes, and this is where we get Sapak the Economist. <laughs> yep, this is absolutely. There's quite a lot of bitching about what happens when you don't have free trade. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there, there's, there's a whole introduction about about how um, the the lack of free trade between between Redania and Temeria has actually resulted in Temeria being flooded with Nilfgaardian money and Nilfgaardian goods. Which is a very, which is yes. a very nineties Poland way of looking at the situation. I have to say, like you have very strong undertones of, lads, we better join the European Union going on here. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like, 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 but but also like I, what I found interesting was um like uh, Olson the 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 Redanian customs officer that Geralt meets and knows in this scene um, is I think like one of like very few actual like minor immigrant characters as in that like as in that like he moved from one northern realm to another um, yes. he, he he works for Red- he works in Redania as a customs officer but he's actually from Edirne and he explicitly says that he's from Wengerberg which I thought was interesting because that probably means that Geralt knows him from like those four years he spent living in the end of his house mm-hmm. yeah it's just cool yeah yeah we, we also get some like just more world building about oh Nilfgaard's trying to take over the north just because it's got lots of cheap goods and yeah, products yeah. from their manufacturing yeah. and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff yeah, yeah. Anyone, does anyone get a vibe off that from the way people talk about Germany like oh we beat them in the war but now they're beating us with their economy <laughs> I mean, that was a very noughties and early tens thing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, less so now with the change, shall we say, keeping politics out of it, the changed current geopolitical climate <laughs> and uh, the, the phenomena of uh, vaccine nationalism. But, but let's not get into that. Um, yeah, but it's just like it is. It is. It is still how how um, those of more protectionist proclivities talk about China, for instance. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, it just feels like relevant to the time when the books were written. That I remember that being kind of the way people talked about Germany. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, if anything, like here it goes the like like given Usapek's particular context, it's probably coming from the opposite direction, and that like the entire mm-hmm. idea of Redania and Temeria should not be torturing each other over um, trade laws is a very strong case for the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get um. Another, the Temerians turn up and uh, they sus- Geralt's like, well, the four or five of them and Geralt is willing to sort of hand himself over because he wants to find out who their boss is, basically. Oh, we we skipped the bit where he's, we actually find out where he's been accused. Oh, yes, of course, yes. Oh, yeah. He's been accused yes. of, um, yeah. yes, indulging yeah, in so the... underage women and... Um, <laughs> Because questions he's been have hanging been asked about about the fact that like like que- like people have been asking questions about whether Geralt ha- uh, like since Geralt's been seen on these boats but in Temeria like like people like apparently people have been asking questions if uh, a teenage girl with ashen hair ashen hair was seen with him and not just people they specifically name like hey Geralt before the 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 the, the customs agent that he knows specifically says like hey Geralt before these Temerians board just so you know they've been like making accusations that you've been with an underage girl and it's Rience they specifically name Rience has been asking yeah yeah Rience our guy who tortured Dandelion four chapters ago some guy named Rience has been has apparently been interested in this question yeah yeah so basically while trying to look for Siri Rience has started rumors that Geralt's got an underage girl which yeah. everyone's side-eyeing him for now, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, Geralt says that he, he they, they shouldn't interfere and that he is going to, to hand himself over. Um, um, and then they kind of completely because Because he wants, to, he wants to... Um, he wants to find out who's, who Rience is. Rience is not on the approaching boat and he mm-hmm. wants to find that, like, come face to face with him. Um, yes. But what actually kind of happens is that Olsen intervenes kind of fantastically and goes like, no, oh, come on, come on, I've already arrested Geralt, first of all, I've arrested him for contraband. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all... He's a smuggler, no not a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's 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 no girl or anything, and we've no idea what you're talking about. Please, you know, like like co- the fr- Temerians are friends. You know, like come with us to Oxenfurt. We'll talk to our commandant there. Um, <laughs> but le- let's let's see if you don't have something that like needs to be investigated by the customs or, or like office, like. <laughs> Yeah, and in response, uh, one of the Tamarians grabs the annoying child and holds a sword to his throat, and... Which, as is noted, is behavior that does not really befit the Tamarian border guard. Um, Indeed. To the point that it's kind of suspicious, you know? Um... Yeah, so this goes, um, well, it doesn't really bear too much description. It goes pretty badly. Um, it starts a fight. The kid ends up in the water. Some of the guards, one of the guards ends up in the water. Uh, and the fucking Hephidra turns up. Yeah, there's a fight. The Hephidra turns up. Geralt ends up in the water. <laughs> uh, harpoons the Hephidra repeatedly alongside most of the people on the boat. Eventually breaks loose, saves the kid. Uh, guy gets eaten. Like yeah, the, the yeah. guy. It's just an action um, scene. There's not much to really uh, discuss. However, however, they do they like like the the academic from Oxenford does name the the, <laughs> the animal initially Geraltia maxiliosa pity, but then like Geralt suggests Everettia in honor of the little kid that like nearly yes. died in its jaws. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Until the uh, Baldy does get chomped into its. Uh, yeah, the Temerian as I say, does get chomped. Yes. And Geralt is quite upset because he is doing this on purpose because he wants to talk to these guys and find out where Rience is. And he's like yelling at them, leave one alive, leave one alive. Well, when the fight breaks out and the one they leave alive uh, gets eaten by a second Ishna. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah. 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 So, suboptimal. Suboptimal. All around. And we cut to Oxenfurt, where our boy, Yaskir, is there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just suddenly sort of like, yeah, it just kind of ends. Like everyone's sort of like, oh, 
that bit where, where where Geralt gets pulled out of the water and everything is quite dramatic and he's cut and he's bleeding and he he basically says he basically almost literally says I'm too old for this shit which I think is <laughs> yeah yeah uh, which mood Geralt mood <laughs> um, but um, yeah so then anyway we cut to Oxenfurt God I love this like so this, you, like, you've two missed page the bit description of Oxenfurt you you've missed the bit where um he's he says twice uh. Uh, essentially i'm getting too old for this shit <laughs> yeah yeah twice because <laughs> he says it earlier he first when he gets pulled out and then his last thing that he says before the scene jumps <laughs> yeah ah uh, mood um but yeah we cut quite suddenly um to oxenfurt with yeah our boy yaskier um who's being followed by a couple of spies around town yes we get we get actually a wonderful a wonderful description of the town of Oxenfurt, which is it's literally Oxford in that like it's simultaneously a place of great academia, like you know, um, mm-hmm. since time immemorial, and also yeah. uh, the last days of Rome every day twenty four seven. Yeah, can I just read like a little bit of the description because I love it so much. Like, if there's one place in this world I would actually live in, it would be here. Like, like yeah, go on. Uh, the poet rode slowly along a muddy, crowded street, passing workshops, studios, stalls, shops, small and large, where, thanks to the academy, tens of thousands of articles and wonderful things were produced and sold, which were unattainable in other corners of the world where their production was considered impossible or pointless. Best inns, taverns, stands, huts, counters, and portable grills from which floated the appetizing aromas of elaborate dishes unknown elsewhere in the world, seasoned in ways not known elsewhere, with garnishes and spices neither known nor used anywhere else. This was Oxenfurt, the colourful, joyous, noisy, and sweet-smelling town of miracles into which shrewd people, full of initiative, had turned dry and useless theories drawn little by little from the university. I just, I love it so much. It's just such a beautiful description. Yeah, it's a genuine, like... Oxenford, the way he describes every bit of it actually makes me go yeah i would love to visit this place it, it's it's really good just if nothing else it's just good pacing um in the storytelling because you've had a very intense section of the fight and the monsters and death and then suddenly it's and now we're in this lovely vibrant cosmopolitan interesting place full Student of intrigue town. and yeah. it's it's yeah. good it's nice yeah yeah it's yeah I love it's it a very student much. Town it just goes on and on like, and on, this description. Yeah. It's a student town and it's most perfect. Like, Yeah. We discover that sort of what Dandelion's been doing in the intervening years, um, basically being a lecturer, but he's trying to, he's been balancing the fact he likes home comforts and, you know, um, going to brothels and living a comfortable life, but he also loves wandering. So he's... Yeah trying to reconcile these and then we meet shani who is yeah uh, like dandelion dandelion is being followed by a couple of spies like yes. like like they're yes. very obviously spies so he he sneaks away from them and he sneaks into the university grounds of themselves um like which are also beautifully described as like you know this like beautiful perfectly ordered like place of you know like arts and science and untouched from the time of the elves yeah yeah like deliberately um like honoring like their cultural roots and so like 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 um in a very you know like 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 it's just it's 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 like this this like uh very nice example of like of a hollowed university and yeah a a student town that same as all student villages is pretty Mm -hmm. much the last yeah the contrast yeah So he, 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 he notices he's got spies following him and he runs into Shani, who is a, a medical student that he, he knows. And um, he uh, basically asks her for a favor to, to, to run back and, and, and relay a message to, to Geralt because he can't without giving away his position. Um, I like that um, he we get a little bit more world building about the university here. Um, where, you know, when he explains she's, you know, disgusted because students have, um, you know, a natural aversion to secret agents, um, and that <laughs> apparently the university grounds are extraterritorial, extraterritorial and sacred, and that students and lecturers are untouchable there, um, so the service, while Snoop doesn't bother to annoy them, and that they keep holding protests that cause riots. <laughs> yeah. It's a university. <laughs> That's what they do. It's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> And not to date the I episode, the but that is literally happening in Bristol right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what's happening in Bristol right now? I haven't looked at the news in a bit because I was working. Uh, the, the students the, the... gathered outside, outside like one of the bigger um, police stations in a set fire to a police van, the... smashed up the police station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all going on. Yeah. Um. So it could not be more pertinent that, yeah. yeah. I love the idea of universities being extraterritorial and like unable to be policed because it would just be like sacrilege well it kind of it kind of used in some senses if i grew up in you know well we'll have similar upbringings and ages but i remember in like 2009 10 with the occupy protests and stuff like that you know one of the reasons they were so shocking in some sense was because you had the shots of that that police officer uh, pepper spraying students who were sat down at an occupy thing and that was, yeah. you know, that got worldwide traction. It's like, oh, these are just students peacefully processing. What is the university campus security doing letting police officers into the campus to pepper spray students? So it's still... Mm. I, do, I do think that that is a thing. Like, like, to some degree, like, obviously, obviously it happens constantly. Mm. Like, especially in North America. But, like, but police brutality... I mean, state, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like, obviously this is a real thing that police brutality against, against university students is a thing that constantly happens but unlike some forms of constantly happens it is one that like does actually usually feel like something of a sacrilege mm. um mm. and i think like at least in europe like because of that actually when police um when they're smart they don't do anything especially heavy-handed on campuses mm. yeah because like, it's just they, bad yeah. optics <laughs> they don't like besides, besides yeah for the occupy process you don't you've, you've not really seen police be disrupting the peace of a campus so to speak mm. anyway yeah like like so 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 shani runs off like because she's very fascinated by the idea to meet an actual witcher um, mm-hmm. yes a real witcher yes <laughs> She's a medical student, so like it's probably at least sixty percent science. Um, like yeah, yes. Uh, we do get some description of her, um, of Dandelion being his usual self. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Dandelion once more filled with the desire to finally compose a ballad about girls like her, not too pretty but nonetheless beautiful girls of whom one dreams at night when those of classical beauty are forgotten after five minutes. <sighs> yeah, Dandelion. he's talking about the seventeen-year-old, to be clear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, Shani is 17. We don't know this till the end of the chapter, but Shani is 17. Th- this is important, guys. Remember this. This comes up later. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, unf- it's, truly, it's truly unfortunate. Anyway, um, yep. like, um, so Shani runs off to warn Geralt on yeah. Dandelion's advice, and the spies catch up with Dandelion, and he turns around and they, they go and, you know, um, uh, greetings from Dykstra. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go. And while yeah. Dandelion initially resists, um, he kind of has no choice but to go along with them to a place called the, <laughs> like that pl- a place that uh, is basically uh, a room being rented from the university by Sigismund Dykstra, the chief of Redanian intelligence. Um, <laughs> the like... Department of Very Modern History. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which she nicknames the Department of Very Modern History. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we are introduced to Sigismund Dykstra, the Redanian um, spy master. Uh, intelligence chief, call it, call it what you will. Basically, the 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 Henry Kissinger of. <laughs> no, no, he, no, he, no. <laughs> well, is 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 the description of him is. is incredible. Like, well, like, like that's literally his job. Uh, yeah, except oh, he's I not murdering. Like a little bit. He's not <laughs> murdering Cambodians. Replete, replete with later on, like the Guantanamo substitute. Oh, it's like God. the description of him is fantastic. Like the, the, he makes the point basically of saying he doesn't look like you would expect a spy to look. You know, you expect spies to be skinny with piercing eyes and very quick. No, Dykstra is like seven foot tall and a giant built, and wears like... yeah wears obnoxiously <laughs> loud clothing and <laughs> you know Dijkstra he looks like is a grunt. Described as swole. That's canon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when he crossed his arms over his chest, which he did with habitual pleasure, it looked as if two 
I don't know what a catch-a-lot is. That's a whale. Uh, had pros- had prostrated themselves over a whale. I like, and if he he just sums up. He has the best description of dandelion in the series. It's also one of the greatest insults in literature um, that I can't find <laughs> in front of me. Yes, here we go. Oh, dandelion said Dykstra sleepily, crossing the cashlocks over the whale. You thick-headed halfwit! You unmitigated dunce! Do you have to spoil everything you touch? Couldn't you just once in your life do something right? I know you can't think for yourself. I know you're almost 40. Look, almost 30. Think you're o- just over 20 and act as if you're barely 10. And y- being aware of this, I usually furnish you with precise instructions. I tell you what you have to do, when you have to do it, and how you're to go about it. And I regularly get the impression that I'm talking to a stone wall. <laughs> Which is... Just... Wonderful. It's, it's yeah, perfect. We find phenomenal. Out, and also, we find out that how Dykes, how 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 like Dandelion has been earning money these last handful of years is spying for the yeah. Danian crown. <laughs> yes, I also think this is a little bit of evidence for your 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 Dandelion is um, at least a little bit elf. Oh, like, that that like... that is that is a half elf described, right? Like. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're forty, you look thirty, and you're you're having a bit of a slow maturation process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, it, but yeah, the like fucking, <laughs> uh, like we find out that like in the last handful of years, Dandelion has been spending his time moonlighting as a spy for the Redanian crown. Um, like, yes. and that indeed, um, to help Geralt, he'd kind of taken advantage of this position a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And um, simultaneously utilized Dexter's knowledge and didn't really tell him what he was doing and like ignored his orders on like yes. how he should handle this situation. Um, yes. Like, and because... this is where we finally got it spelled. Oh, sorry, carry on. Sorry, because I was just going to say because Dexter had um, told him to inform him if. Um, like, Geralt is planning any sort of confrontation with Rienzi. Yes, yes, and, and this is where we get it spelled out what exactly Geralt's been up to staying away from Ciri and being on this boat, which was that he'd been trying to ta- track down Rienzi. Uh, there had been a failed attempt, and he had then decided to become bait by staying in one place until Rienzi sent some goons to get him, but then, of course, that failed. Too. And indeed, it's even, it's even more, like, like, it's even more interesting than that, because, um, um, Dykstra basically um, through conversation with Dandelion Dandelion like uh, well, Dykstra asks Dandelion something like who do you think those men on the boat were and is, uh, uh, Dandelion is just like oh just you know like the same um, you know uh, rotten bastards that the Temerian <laughs> watchguard is full of some of them probably um, heard that Rienzi was putting out money um, on Geralt's head and quietly decided to take uh, a Temerian flag and pretend to be the official official border guard delegation and try and take him captive. Um, like, yeah. and, Dijkst- and Dijkstra tells him that it's actually a lot worse than that because who knows <laughs> actually where <laughs> where uh, Temerian secret services <laughs> who had basically <laughs> decided to try and try and uh, capture Geralt as their own bait for Rience. Yes. <laughs> and Geralt massacred a bunch of Temerian agents. <laughs> and yes. their boss is super angry. And if Geralt go like, like, hopefully Geralt does not go to Temeria, because if he does, he might not return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, he's course, pissed off <laughs> Nifgard, and he's pissed off Temeria, and he's pissed off Dijkstra. Yes. Now, of course, Dijkstra offers to sort this all out if Geralt will actually just come to see him directly, uh, which, is which Dandelion wisely does not especially trust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like um, another personality in this room during this conversation, of course, is yes, a woman, uh, a sorceress. Yet another sorceress. Yes, yeah, so we are finally meeting the infamous Philippa Eilhart. But, um, so 
we, we finally solved the mystery for you of why we, we dislike Triss, but you're going to have to listen all the way to the end of Lady of the Lake to, to, to find out our, our, our beef with Philippa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, guys. <laughs> guys, let, 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 let us just be clear here. We will not be nice to Philippa because, as you will find out as the story progresses, she is evil. <laughs> um, but, um, but, 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 like, right now, she's just a nice lady in Dykstra's, in Dykstra's department of, of most modern history. Um, yes, nice 300 year old lady. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Who kind of um, does an interesting thing, which is uh, she 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 give for, for or she gives away Dykstra's game uh, by like because um, Dykstra is saying you should bring Geralt here. So I just want some answers to some questions, and in return, I will be I will be more than happy to make things up with the Temerians. It'll be no problem. Uh, like uh, he's like, and and, and uh, Yaskir is just like, well, what if I, you know, what if I answer those questions myself? Um, like and uh, <laughs> um, um, fucking like 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 Philippa just kind of uh, uh, sorry Dexter says I I really doubt you know the answers and Philippa just goes like well wait what if he does and then she just rattles off a bunch of like questions like 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 um who's the girl that like Geralt has been noted like um has been seen with um like um why is Dilfgaard so interested in her is it true um that the lion cub of Sintra is alive you know all this stuff um like yeah so um, Philippa effectively gives away that Dykstra has been sort of being cagey but Philip Philippa yeah, yeah. basically essentially tells Dandelion we know this is Cirilla of Sintra she doesn't say that out loud but she effectively says we she know this basically is of she basically we know says it yeah yeah it. like 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 we like, know you've been in contact with Yennefer and Mertris what's going on and but this is her she's pretending like she's asking questions but she's really yeah but she's actually if anything kind of warning dandelion because um dykstra immediately turns to her in a shock just like you gave us gave the game away a bit too fucking early (laughs) like um, yeah like and and yeah um the the whole conversation kind of goes nowhere dandelion lies that Geralt is not an oxenford um, yeah, he insists he's in Novigrad, um, like, which is in a, just a completely unreasonable place for Geralt to be, and everyone knows he's lying. Yeah, because uh, Geralt hates cities and he can't get work in cities, and yeah, <laughs> and and the Sumerian Secret Service is after him, and also like it's Novigrad, like his he's already he's he he specifically hates that place, like yeah, because the story of why Geralt yeah. hates cities is about Novigrad. Yes. <laughs> Like, um, but uh, yeah, they, they they part ways, all knowing that everybody is lying except weirdly Philippa, and um and this this bit about how Dandelion tries to like hide his his getting back to Geralt is so funny. Yeah. Um, so Dandelion's idea of spycraft is to go to a couple of lectures and then go to a philosophy debate and then try to sneak out the window and parkour across rooftops to get back to his inn. Yep. Yeah, um, I would. I would and... play a Witcher spinoff game, which is just student dandelion, uh, Assassin's Creed style parkour <laughs> across Oxford. Yes, that would be that would be very fun. Um, but since dandelion doesn't come in the door when he gets to the inn, that means he's not exactly knocking. Yes, because he's coming in the window. And Geralt, Geralt kind of yells out the window that he shouldn't come in, and dandelion's kind of like. <laughs> Fuck that! I'm hanging out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes like, "What is it? What is it you're doing? Are you fucking?" And yes, Geralt is fucking. They've been caught in fl- um, del- what's the flagrante delicto? Delicto. Yep. Um, yep. With Shani, yeah. who is seventeen. Um, yeah, I, we just once again have to restate: Shani is seventeen. And and uh, Dandelion has a good ogle at her as she's redressing and. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, sub, it's again it's, it's not good, guys. It's it's not good. It's, it's bad, good. actually. I mean, 
Geralt is every I mean, postdoc who goes to Freshers Week uh, to find oh, uh, no. Freshers. Oh no! Oh god! I like. Oh, that like, is the worst like, comparison. Crawled back yet. inside myself at the thought of that. <laughs> oh. I I actually feel a bit ill. I think. Um, it happens uh, every year. We everyone who's been a student knows fine well that's what happens. No, so um, I've I've worked in a, I've a worked in a student union during Freshers' Week, so twice. So yep. I know I've seen things, but still, it's. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing is, is like, externally, this is terrible, but he's written it as if like, and at this point, we don't know how young Shani is because we don't actually find out till the end of the chapter. Mm. So at this point, we're like, oh, medical student. And in, like, I don't know, North America brain, a medical student has to be, like, minimum 22. Mm. Well, but in, in, no. in Eastern Europe, same. Like, yeah. Like, like, but as... in fantasy land, she's a third year medical student at 17. Because, yes, teenagers used to go to university. Yes. So, like, when you're reading this and you know she's a medical student, you're not thinking about it. It kind of seems like he's writing it like, oh, like, she definitely did this out of, like, medical curiosity because she wanted to, like, get up on close with a real witcher. And then you find out she's 17. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is weirdly framed as well and, because and, um, and, and Dandelion sort like, of... is, like, sev- several fucking... Well, not several centuries, but, like, you know, like, a, a slowly approaching... Several decades, at least. Like, like, the 70-year mark, approximately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, and Dandelion and, sort of mocks her a little bit, so, you know, implying that, she, oh, you must have slept around with a lot of guys, he's just another one to you. And it's described as her sort of having a an insolent smile and... Yeah. Yeah. Mirth in her eyes and an in- impudent smile. Yeah. Uh, Shadi says, yeah, it's not the first window I've climbed out. And Dandelion says, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Which... Which she takes please like, stop as a Dandelion. joke and is like, yeah. But Dandelion is just, just please stop. Yeah. Of course, let's not forget the line. Um, <laughs> 17, what a beautiful age. Yennefer would give a lot to be that age we'll, again. We'll, what do we'll you reckon, Carol? We'll, 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 we will <laughs> get to that <laughs> line. <laughs> like, because, because, yeah, so as because... they're having this conversation, because Dandelion's saying, we gotta go, we've gotta go now. Like, get dressed, we're leaving, we're out the window. And then... An owl... Lands. Philippa is an owl yeah. and is flying in the window. Philippa is established in the previous scene with Dykstra to be one of very few sorceresses that are actually really good at polymorphy. Um, yeah. And she, she flies, in, flies in the window in the shape of an owl, lands on the windowsill, transforms it to herself, and proceeds to, first of all, mock them all. Um, yes. Like, 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 and make some snide ass comments. Uh, specifically. Yeah, and it's, it is Philippa that throws it in their faces that Shani's seventeen. Yeah, she asks she asks Shani how how old she is. And she's like, which year is she in? And she's like, oh, I'm I'm a third year. She's like, ah, yes, seventeen, the best age. Like Jennifer would do a lot to be at that age again. I might ask her next time there is an when opportunity. I yeah. So yeah, she's she's kind of like jumping in there and being like, uh, Gerald, I'm telling your girlfriend you're fucking a seventeen year old. Um, yeah, that's a hell of a way to open a conversation. Yeah, so it's, you sort of get to the end of the chapter and they start, um, this, 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 he sets off to find Reince, basically, doesn't he? Um, yeah, so, well, Philippa gives him, like, a pretty long lecture about, like, like, Philippa gives Geralt a pretty long lecture about, like, he has to protect Ciri no matter what. If she's your responsibility, then you must protect her, and if you're going to fail to protect her, then you have to find someone else who's going to... And she's kind of in an oblique way trying to warn him that, like, basically everybody is after Siri and she needs to be watched. Yeah, for reasons. Yeah, that... for reasons. For reasons. <laughs> like, 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 um, she, tell, she tells him that it's because she's just sincerely, um, like, concerned about him and that, like, she's telling uh, him everything about about Dykstra and the Redenian Crown's plans because she thinks um, King Vizimir has got it wrong and should not mm-hmm. envelop Ciri in this, in, in whatever he's planning, but like, but, 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 uh, Dandelion explicitly says, like, um, you know, like, he could, like, Dandelion, Dandelion's internal monologue explicitly says he couldn't tell if Geralt truly understood Philippa or not because he knew that like Philippa was making all of this shit up (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, by the way, is this where we get confirmation that Rience killed the Nice Farm family? Is that the people, the three people murdered in Sodden that were in touch with him and Siri? I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, guys. Nice Farm family who like through just sheer human decency. Yeah. Made like their destiny get fulfilled. Murdered by family this are dead lads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Well, actually, I'm now wondering about it. Because they, they weren't technically in Sodden proper. They were, they were in, um, what's depending on fucking translation rendered either as Riverdale, which is a normal translation, or uh, in, mm-hmm. in that, that's how it's rendered in the games, or Trans River, <laughs> like, which is the clumsy <laughs> attempt to trans- translate it literally in the, in the, the English translation of the books. Mm-hmm. Like... Well, maybe then. Which is... It's kind of not exactly sodden. Like, so... Eh, shrug. Eh, maybe. Um, but, yeah, there's this... De- you know, Geralt's trying to ask Philippa, like, after she gives him this warning, like, what do the Temerians want? What does Dystra want? What do, you know, what does Rience want? Uh, and Philippa says she doesn't know. She doesn't know who Rience is, but she wants to find out. Um, and somehow Shani knows who Rience is. Is? Yeah, because yeah. Shani immediately chimes in with, "Oh, is Rance the guy with the with the with the massive bird on his face? I know where to find him. <laughs> yeah, I know just, that guy. Fuck, like, like, like Shani. Like, <laughs> if this was like, if this was uh, Joss Whedon film, they'd immediately go, "Why didn't you tell us?" And she would say, "Well, you didn't ask." And yes, if it, uh, if it was a Joss Whedon film, it would also not be commented in any way about the fact that she's 17. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yes, this is... It would also not be, I mean, not be treated as the actual This massive age gap between a 17-year-old girl and an immortal fucking super-powered person would not be treated in any way as problematic. Well, I mean... Buffy, right? Like... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. That, that that is what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> this 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 chapter, man. Like very yeah. little happens in terms of plot, but simultaneously this some will... very wonderful scenes of the Ponter Delta and Oxenfurt, and then Geralt. Geralt. Strikes a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of the Pontar Delta, there's something that we didn't actually talk about that I meant to when we were talking about the ecology stuff, is, um, they're talking about how, like, all their pollution is what, like, created the environment for the, the Aishnas to have mutated and lived there. Um, and one of the last things that they sort of see is they're sort of pulling up to, you know, before the chaos starts, is that actually the Oxenfurt's created a sewage treatment plant? Yes. <laughs> yes, they created the massive sewage up. treatment plant, which is cool as shit, like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they talk about having repelled the elven. They talk about having repaired the elven um, aqueducts and created a sewage treatment plant. And so it makes me wonder what the elves were up to. If they 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 all had aqueducts and things, um, and they they created a sewage treatment plant. And then when one person on the boat says, "Yeah, the last time you tried this, it blew up and sprayed shit for miles." So we'll see how well it goes. But like they may be once again on the verge of like large scale changing their. And it's, it's actually really interesting as well because like you actually like i mean they, they technologically are very much a medieval society right like 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 mm-hmm. so this this probably means that like probably with some help from both like ancient elven lore and magic um yes they've actually created something that you know is a very modern bit of technology actually um yeah i mean there's like this is a very weird world because it is it is on a medieval level of civilization, but their technology is sometimes, even without the use of, ma- use of magic, sometimes their technology is, or not so much technology, but like scientific knowledge is further in advance than it should. Like they use the word genes. To be fair, to be fair, Aaron, I think like part of it can just be explained by the fact that like, even if you don't, even you, if you personally aren't a magic user, you still benefit from the yeah. fact that a magic user can can immediately perceive that things like genes exist. That's true. Like, um, it's just yeah. Like, like I actually true. think it makes like, like I think the technological thing actually makes a lot of sense. I actually think that it's more just interesting from a long term implication standpoint, because mm-hmm. they are developing technology that like is pretty modern in terms of its capabilities at a time oh. when they 
you know, are otherwise in a lot of ways technologically, for instance, the military sphere and the agricultural sphere and the industrial sphere in the roughly 15th century, like in, in an equivalent of our 15th century, which basically mm -hmm. means that actually I think there is a pretty solid chance of solving that entire global cooling problem just because <laughs> by the time they get to the to, to, to their equivalent of the 2000s, They'll be. They'll have like reached the fucking space age for all, for all we fucking know. Like, there's, there, like one of the things as well from a development point of view is that city sizes are generally limited by like sanitation and aqueducts and stuff like that. Because otherwise, you just get mass outbreaks of disease which kill loads of people yeah. and that kind of stunts it. So the fact that they have somewhere like Novigrad. Uh, yeah, like, urban development ha can only happen in tandem with, like, sanitation development and technological development. So, it's, it's the weird sort of broken, <laughs> it's not quite steampunk, but there is sort of aspects of technology and an understanding of sanitation, which is yeah. cool and interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like... And uh, speaking of the global cooling thing, you know, if, Lean, if, uh, if Lena gets a, a look in here as well, in this chapter... Yes, um, she has mentioned in passing... Yeah when they're sitting sort of talking about sort of like uh how you know war is coming again um one of them says you know the serious ithlin foretold the end of the world white light will come to be the white chill then will follow or or the other way around i've forgotten how it goes and people are saying the signs will be visible in the sky so it's just like i thought that's really interesting so something we were talking about before with ithlina's prophecy is how like the witchers seem to have kind of their own version of it and the people that were with dandelion at the start of the story some of them had like uh, one of the priests had like a misphrased version of it um so I just think it's interesting that like this is like something that people just in general are aware of the way people in our world might like make a passing reference to the four horsemen of the apocalypse but like people don't necessarily understand the context or have the right wording or i just think it's really interesting yeah yeah and yeah that kind of brings us to the end of the chapter really um yeah this is, this is a good place to sort of wrap, wrap up i think i think so all right Okay, well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Um, and we'll see you again next time when we discuss Chapter 6 of Blood of Elves. Um, our music is Medieval Distraction by Lucas Perny and Miloslav Kolar, which you can find at freemusicarchive.org. And you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at TheWitcherCast or email us at castapodgeerwitcher at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.